0: joining me on the football CFB podcast Alan. No problem thank you. I'd like to start by, with what you're up to now within the game. Um, obviously it's been a wee while since you retired but you are still heavily involved in football. What is it you're up to at the moment?
1: I'm in at Kilmarnock um, as the head recruitment for the academy. Um, so we're looking for boys age 16 and under all the way down to eight year olds, seven year olds um, and it's now I've got a team of scouts working underneath me so I need to kind of look after them, see what they're up to, see what games are going to, see if they identify any players and just kind of take it there.
0: In terms of that role then for yourself, I, I imagine you're watching an awful lot of games, youth games at the moment.
1: I try because I also take the under 13s down at Kilmarnock, so my weekends are kind of tied up with that. Um, so it's hard and that's why I kind of took on, uh, we advertise for for scouts because we find it kind of hard. There was myself and maybe two or three others. Um, and it's a big area to cover, so we, we kind of put a wee, a wee advert right on Twitter and Facebook and things and we got a great response, we've got about 24-25 guys going back and bear in mind it's volunteer work, um, they're really keen to get involved so it's just managing them at the moment and just seeing where we're going with that
0: Well obviously some great players have come through in recent times, the last sort of 15 years or so you've had Stephen Naismith, Chris Boyd and probably the most recent ones Greg Taylor Obviously from working in at the academy there are there many more exciting talents in the pipeline for the years to come that you can see?
1: We've actually just in the process of or just sold um, a young boy to Man City, the boy Liam Smith. Um, Liam's under 16s now, um, great talent to a boy and he's come through and he gets a chance and um, really took it. So he's a way down there. So I think it's a big thing for boys to see that. Especially younger ones, um, it's there, it's available if you if you dedicate yourself to it and put enough effort in, you'll maybe get the rewards.
0: Something I'm interested to ask you about just talking about the Academy. A lot of guys that have maybe stopped playing for thirty or forty years look at the kinda of younger generation now and kinda of pigeonhole them as maybe been soft and not as committed as maybe guys were years ago. But having worked in at the Academy, what would you say to that sort of question? I think
1: to be fair in that football has changed. It's a big um it's it was probably more, I hate to say it, more a working class thing when I was growing up. Um, a lot of boys probably seen that as a way out and they wanted to be footballers and they were out playing the street every night, which was encouraged back then, but now it's obviously all the PlayStations and Xboxes and tablets and whatever and they're turning up to train, they're getting lifts to training, whereas back when I was here at Milton boys coming in the bus and walking to the games and put holes in their boots but they just wanted to play but now it's kind of it's swung a wee bit it's um, boys are maybe not as hungry maybe don't need it as much I hate saying that but it's it's, I think it's a fact I think they we don't have enough boys coming through that are desperate to be footballers I think a lot of boys are desperate to have the footballers lifestyle Mm. which they think it is but they're not willing to put in the hard work to get there
0: I think something I'm interested to ask you about as well based on what you've just said there a lot of the things that lots of people within the game from the top to the bottom talk about at the moment is that kids when they're younger that kind of 8, 9, 10, 11 age don't really play enough there's maybe coaching coming in too early how do you approach that in terms of do do you get boys in and just try to encourage them to play as often as they can or do you start coaching as young as possible
1: I think when they come in you've got to have a certain structure about it, they've got to be able to pass the ball and stuff like that, and, but for that age, a young age, we, we just encourage them to go and play and enjoy it and that's what we say to coaches, as long as they're enjoying it, it's, there's a wee bit of structure about the session, they're not just coming into a about and play 20 a side kind yeah. of thing, um, and obviously in the higher up the academy goes, the older they get, then it's more structured and we've got a curriculum in place that the, the coaches follow, and this is hopefully... Getting the boys for 16 up to the 18s and then in reserves and things. So, it's, in that sense, it's, it's got to be. Obviously, you can't just come in and play. Um, I think there's got to be some kind of structure, but more enjoyment at a younger age. I'm not saying they don't enjoy makeup eyes they uh, you know, when they're older, but it just, it's got to be that way.
0: No, that sounds sensible. And let's talk now, starting at the very start for yourself. Obviously, you're working in the academy now. What
1: about yourself? When did you start playing the game when you were growing up, and who were your footballing heroes as a kid? I started playing pff, usual, just kicking the ball. But I had two older brothers and just always had a ball, and it was easy. Just again, we stayed in a cul-de-sac and don't want to sound like a really old man, but back then there wasn't many cars, so it was easy just to get in the street and play. And um, I went for there, and playing at my grand's one day, and a neighbour came up and asked if I would go and play with. Our dad's team and uh, me and my cousins went and played with the team, I think we were about eight, nine. Um, our dear Thistle, in the first game we beat a team that something like ridiculous, 24-25-0. <laughs> and I can remember getting a hat track and I thought "That's is brilliant, I love that's I love football. And we'd, at that stage we're in the anchor boys and BBs and things, so football was kind of part of that as well. Um, and then we just moved on. We were, we're, back then you we were playing that. Saturday morning with the BBs. Uh, Saturday afternoon with a boys club, maybe a Sunday with a different boys club. That's just the way it was. And you need to ask any questions, you just done it. Nowadays there's obviously the welfare of the kids and mm. they can't play too many hours in such a small sort of space, which is fine, I get that, but back then we just played. Um, and I just played a few boys clubs. And then eventually when I was about 12 or 13, went up to play the, the team became Rangers
0: Amateurs
1: mm-hmm. so up to Glasgow to play in there and again it was like red ash pitches, I grew up in called and it was all grass so this was a big thing for me to start with and then I'd like Sandy McLaren and the team kind of get away from him and Big uh, <laughs> John Anderson came and played with and his dad Jake was a scout at Martin, he was a chief scout um, so Jake got me in to play with the, the Morton youths and I used to play up the Broomie <laughs> on a Tuesday night, which was another eye-opener. Because it didn't matter what season it was, it was always raining up there. If it wasn't the rain, it was snowing. So <laughs> it was uh, up in the hill and it was quite a... quite a tough learning curve. But it was good, Diverham was great. Um, I used to get in there on a Tuesday night and Jake would take the team and there'd be good, talented boys playing for Greenock and, Port Glasgow, but again they were the boys that would kick their granny just to get a game of football, mm. And I think that's maybe what's missing now. Kind of, I don't like using the scheme term, but that's boys that are just wanting to play. So I again I was it was an eye opener playing with these boys because it was I think all right, okay, that's just what I need to do then to survive. And Jake um, Jake spoke to the gaffer at the time, Alan McGraw and uh, Next thing I was signing schoolboy forms at 13.
0: You mentioned they signing schoolboy forms, and I imagine that was such a proud moment for yourself. But when was the first time you really thought, you know, I can make it as a professional footballer?
1: I think for a very young age, I always wanted to be. Um, I don't think it's until, if you're being realistic, until you actually sign a contract, that, like a professional contract, that you realised you could make a go at. It. I think when you sign the school boy that's the start, that's the first kind of foot in the ladder um, but again it's up to you and how you go about it. If you, I've seen a lot of boys in my time that had signed the school boy forms and that was then chucked it because mm-hmm. they thought they'd done enough whereas that was just the start yeah, and the hard work was just beginning.
0: You mentioned there the hard work just, be, just begins at the academy level, you progress through the academy level and then eventually you sign that first professional contract. What do you remember about that?
1: Well I remember, um, I wasn't, I wasn't academic as such. I I wasn't bad, but I didn't want to be there. I just wanted to play football. So I would actually, I made my debut for the first team at Somerset as a trialist when I was 16, 89 season. And we played this People obviously nowadays don't understand these things, but we played against a prison team on a Friday <laughs> um, at Capital. It was a, a holiday that must have been May time, the last game of the season. So I had played the full game in the, the Friday, and it was the last game of the season against their away the Airway on the Saturday. And I, I remember getting changed and walking up the old corridor at Capital. and my dad says, What do you think then? I says, What about it? He says, Amara. It's right? no idea. He went, I never said that No, I never I never said that. And I says, oh, hey. Gaffer wants to see you and so Gaffer says you fancy coming tomorrow. I said, Brilliant, eh? That's great. So I remember getting along, and Mark Pickering always tells a story that he walked into the dressing room and I was sitting there in my white shirt and my tie on <laughs> and he thought it was a mascot. Because <laughs> I looked a bit twelve. And uh somebody said to him, No, he's playing, he's, like, no, he's not, he's a bit twelve. But I just remember then the the warm up and stuff, and then the last twenty minutes. I mean, those guys playing. This is obviously for the older kind of Morton players, with the fans. But Ian Clinging scored the goal in the last twenty minutes. I replaced Archie McGeechee. so it was that long ago kind of think Me, Jimmy or these kind of players playing. Um, and I remember coming on the last twenty. And I think the the ball went out the park for a corner. I remember standing actually physically holding on to the post, couldn't breathe because of the pace of the game. I think Tam Turner shot sure, was getting booked at the time, which I didn't like Tam. But um, <laughs> I just remember thinking, this is... But I loved it. And then we won 1-0, back into the dressing room, and the gaffer said, unfortunately, you can't get the bonus because you're still at school, so we can't get it. So, but didn't bother me because it was... Then it wasn't bothered, the money thing wasn't important. So I'd, I'd planned to leave school that summer and join Morton in a YTS, a two-year YTS. So I was all set to do that. And we played Whitehill Welfare away. And Jackie McNamara Senior was in charge of wel- uh, Whitehill Welfare at the yep. time. So the first team, like all the boys went and played, the first team, and those younger ones, and me went and played... Um, the kind of 21s or whatever, the 18s. Bob it's flung into me, I went to flick it on, the boys come in high and caught my ankle. So i kind of went down and I'm lumping, I come off and John McMaster was taking us. And again, in the days he went, right, try and stamp it off, get a wheel in and see if everything's all right. So I tried that, couldn't I? and he says, right, just go and change. So I remember it was as if the changing rooms were about right three miles away and I had to walk and kind I of limped away down and I remember filling a, a sink up try to put my ankle in the cold water and just try and get swelling, because I could see it already starting. And then um, went back to the, for something to eat after the game, and I always remember, I don't know, these things just stick your head, but I don't just this jumper out of next. It was like a cricket jumper. <laughs> and obviously I thought it was a bee's knees, but it had like a big wicket and the ball in the middle. <laughs> and I remember Mark McGraw and Dent McInnes kind of helped me. And I was limping, I could hardly walk They and help me out to the bus and Jackie by and went you one of you get injured that's a terrible jumper <laughs> and I just cried it. so I went back home that night couldn't sleep my dad took me up to the hospital in the morning broken ankle Jeez, oh. so there was no point in leaving the school to mm-hmm. become a footballer because I, I couldn't so I went back to school and just mucked about basically because I couldn't do APE. And that was the only thing I liked doing at school mm-hmm. so I could, couldn't even do that and I remember the Headmaster pulling him in and saying look you're too old, we can't expel you. But what you doing here? And I says, well, I'm, I'm, um, I'm just killing time basically. He says, how about as I says, well, I've got a white case with Martin, and he says, what well, the old place? <laughs> and I went, no, a football club. And he went, all right. I says, but obviously I can't. He went, right, well just so. Can I dragged on a wee bit, and then eventually I joined the ground staff at, at Martin.
0: When you get there, obviously having experienced a broken ankle before you even get a chance to sign that professional contract, do you, do you ever for a moment at that point, Alan, doubt that you are going to recover and, and go on to have a career? No,
1: no, I think guys when you're that young, you're near that naive and you just think, well, maybe it's part and parcel, because you know, you've seen it on the telly and you've seen guys getting injured and you think, well, maybe it's just part and parcel again. the game, so, no, I was never, probably should have, but I never, <laughs> <laughs> never crossed my mind, no.
0: When you get into Morton, obviously as a young boy, being there, what's the dressing room like? Do they welcome you in straight away or because you're so young, do they try and toughen you up and pr- l- kind of play pranks on you to try and get that character out
1: of you? I never, I was, uh, I was really shy, really quiet, didn't I? I? just, I loved just playing. I just wanted to play. So, whatever going on in the dressing room didn't really like, matter to me. And I always remember I was in the away dressing room for a while and kind of get promoted to the home dressing room, so you'd either Mark Pickering, Ian McDonald, Dave McCabe, Stuart Rafferty, uh, John Bog, Martin Doak, me Jimmy, but all these boys that have played, John Gagan, all these guys. So they've all played it for years and years, but I, I just I just sat in the corner. Done what I'd done, went in and trained and then but I used to sit and kinda sponge it on and take it on and just sit there and bear in mind that they days. It was all communal bass as well, so <laughs> you're in there with these big guys, big hairy arse guys in here, <laughs> like just sitting there. Like I was about six stone sitting in a corner, and you're just. But it was good. It was good for me because it kind of. I, I went away pre-season a couple of times when I was fifteen, sixteen. So I'm gonna be here. And we're up. We always went up north, and um, the gaffer all just to say we'd go off the bus on a Friday, and. Garford was like, behave yourselves, so we're up here, pre-season, so we play a game on the Friday night, a game on the Saturday, whatever, uh, Garford would always say, right, don't anybody get arrested, because I'm not coming to the police station to bail you <laughs> out, and if you're not in the bus and we are leaving, you're here, we'll leave without you. And I'm sitting there going, is this what happened? This what happened? So I always remember, again, I was near. That age, I was too young to drink it anyway. But it never even crossed my mind. But the boys liked a couple of beers after the game, which was good. I always remember I was that young that they kind of formed a wee kind of barricade thing round about me to get me into a pub. So I had to have my head doing You know, the older ones were bring me, and we'd all walk in. It was like Auntie Home I'll all walking in,
0: <laughs> and I put
1: the head down so they didn't. But I would just sit in the corner again, just happy to be party, happy to be there with the boys.
0: How was Alan McGraw with you um, when you just came through at that point and you started to play a few games, especially being Seal?
1: Great, Um, which he was throughout my time at Morton, but he he knew how to nurture younger boys. He knew when he put them in, Um, if they're a wee bit tired, maybe lay them out for a a week or two or take you off or put you, whatever. Um, He'd been doing it for years, and obviously, Morton are a selling club. They always were back then and the younger ones are an asset to him and he knows that and there's no point of him burning somebody out or risking injury or whatever so he was clever and he would bring you in and out and but, but he oh, it was great um, just bringing you into the office and sitting on my bladder with you and just how's things? Aye good aye everything all right aye I Well, if love anything just come and see me and it was always that was his best Kind of feature, it wasn't he just that he was the manager, he was like somebody you could go and talk to as well if you ever needed.
0: He described you as one of the best young players he'd seen in the last decade during your time just breaking through. Did you take notice of that at a young age and did your family mention it to you or because you were so young was that just like again that naivety of luck I've just gone mate.
1: No, I killed mate to be fair. <laughs> yeah, no, obviously. Yeah. He'd seen a lot of players come and go. And again, it was part of the selling thing as well. When you look back now, you think he's no daft at all. He was, he was always bumming up the younger ones. and But no, again, naive, just wanted to play. Just wanted to get there. And even if he said, maybe sit out this one, you're thinking, why? He just, just wanted to play. I'm just playing three games every weekend. Really? This is not going to do any harm. But again, he was just like after him.
0: You played just over a handful of games From what, in the 18 And you were spotted by Tons of big clubs Obviously Rangers Crystal Palace Liverpool Chelsea And obviously the great Brian Clough's Nottingham Forest What was that like for you To handle at such a young age? It was fine
1: um, Obviously my, my family My pals would keep me going About it and stuff I remember doing a thing When you look back now It was cringe on uh, Scotsport or something uh, <laughs> One of these interviews But it was at the time It was um, Everything happened But again I'd at that age, I had went down and trained at Liverpool for a couple of days. Um, again, I'll never forget, it was a gaffer took me down. His, his boy, Alan Junior, was driving. So we drove down to Liverpool, we went to a hotel. And we're sitting having breakfast and I'm butting my toast and trying... I'm nervous, but I'm trying not to let I'm trying to get something to eat. Next thing, a gaffer says, well, there's Kenny there. So I start butting my arm and going, <laughs> okay, so he comes in and he's talking away because a gaffer obviously knows him. So I've actually went, he's took me into training and uh, big names at the time, it was like Stephen um uh, John Barnes, Jan Mulvey, uh, Ray Houghton, Jamie Redknapp had just signed. Mm-hmm. he just signed uh, no long before. That's So I actually stayed and I kind of, uh, guesthouse with Jamie up and this Irish boy, I can't remember the boy's name, but and they used to go to training and stuff like that and played a bounce game and stuff, it was good. Um, and on, I can remember watching the telly one night, and it was a Friday night, they used to have, got to have Jeremy Knee and I just caught the tail end of it and I just happened to be recording it for my dad, and I'd so I rewound it and it says, oh, Alma has been linked to a hundred grand move to Liverpool. Alright, I'll have a bit of that, that's fine. <laughs> All right. But nothing happened, um, so just kept playing away, and then flew down to speak to Chelsea. Um, they were playing Southampton, it was a Saturday or something, so we get picked up at the airport, me and my dad uh, went and watched the game, it was a dull, dull game, It was, you say it to people now about Chelsea, no, oh brilliant, but it wasn't, it was the old Aye. Chelsea, you know? it was like uh, Kenny Dixon Gordon Jury, these type of players, good players. Um, I remember getting invited in after it to one of the boxes, and it was like David Mellon, John Major, these kind of guys. But again, I was only 17, that didn't really interest (laughs) me. I just wanted to play football. So I spoke to Chelsea, and the terms were offering were terrible. Like, even for, I mean, I was, (laughs) sounds crazy, I was getting £32.50 a week at Martin (laughs) for my YTS money. I get extra if I played the first team, I mean, got an extra 40 quid, but I thought I was a
0: millionaire.
1: Aye. Um, and then I went Chelsea off of me. I remember my dad saying, Look, it's up to you where you go, I'll not stand your way, but it's a big place, London. You might, I think he was worried I'd go down there and get lost and just Aye. never be seen again, type thing. So that didn't really feel right, and then um, we played Motherwell in the Scottish and it was nothing each in the opening game and then I think there was rumours that me and Big e, they were going as a double to Forest and then we're going to Rangers together um, I got injured in the first game I actually down my medial in a tackle um, and then I'm sure Clough was up at the Wednesday night replay um, beating penalties I think they're still looking for Picky's penalty <laughs> I think it hit the crane with. Um, and then I, went, I flew down Flew down my mum and dad to the Forest, and it was just one of the ones I thought it feels right. It just, it, I was wrong, but it felt <laughs> it felt right at the time because I was actually meant to come back up and speak to the Rangers the following day. And I remember my dad making the call to Rangers to say, "Look, he's signing with the Forest." And biggest problem was I went down there injured, so I was only seeing the boys before training I was getting changed to go and see the fizzle
0: hmm. so I went down
1: there on the march and I didn't train properly until pre-season which is a long time I know absolutely I'm not saying it would have changed a lot but it, it doesn't help when you're knowing amongst the boys and stuff and you don't really get to know them that well and, um, but again I I could do about it they wanted they maybe took a chance signing me while I was injured um, but I came back and done the pre-season it was fine
0: What was your first meeting like with Brian Clough obviously he's known for having a sharp wit and not being scared to voice his opinion.
1: Well I met him when I signed he wasn't even there. When when I signed he was you're too young to remember but they they used to do shredded Pete commercials (laughs) and it was like Ian Botham and blah 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 and Brian Clough was one of them so he was away filming a shredded Pete commercial the day that I signed so I didn't even meet him and then when he eventually did come back, the Chief Scout, Alan Hill, took me down he says, I'll introduce you to the gaffer. So I went down and he says, gaffer, I says, Alan, i am not doing the accent, This he says, the he says eh, you're the Scotsman I've wasted all this money on. <laughs> Jeez. So right away, <laughs> you're thinking, right. And that was all I ever called me, Scotsman. Never once, Sc- Alan, it was always Scotsman, this, Scotsman, that. So, I think that, I could have packed my bag that day right enough and come straight back up the road, I think, but Um, That was my first kind of meeting.
0: In terms of Clough, obviously you mentioned Derry, he called you Scotsman all the time and that was kind of near the end of his managerial career uh, with Forrest anyway, wasn't it? And you think to yourself, obviously a legendary figure, but maybe towards the end, um, that kind of end point is coming and how did he compare, for instance, to Alan McGraw, who seemed like such a gentleman?
1: I think that was the biggest problem. Sounds daft, but i went for the gaffer, who, everybody was like family, and there was, everybody could chap his door. He would a few nights in the gaffer's house and stuff, like after, like they were in the league and things like that, and everybody was always welcome. He went down there, he was just another number. And it was hard, it was hard. And it, again, it was, as you say, it was coming to end his career. Now, he'd had a great career. There was no dispute, and no, I had won the European Cups and whatever. But I got him at the, the tail end, and it was kind of... He was... He, we'll say his eye was off the ball slightly <laughs> with that thing. <be>. Yes. Um, <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, so... Uh, it was hard. It was hard, but it was one of the ones you couldn't knock back. And everybody's got Oh, I loved him, I loved him. I, I used to hear him come and jump in the cupboard at his way, so I didn't have to speak to him. Just because he was like that kind of figure. Um but again everybody's got different stories. I'm sure there the guys raving about him. and um, but it was it was bizarre at times things he done. In terms uh, of stories about him, you get any good stories
0: like that he well, was we, like?
1: We went actually get taken away to Sweden with the first team pre season. And they just signed Big Boy Carol Tyler, for Barnsley, Teddy Sheringham. And bear in mind the Forest team Stuart Pierce, Des Walker, Roy Keane, Nigel Clough, all these kind of boys. So, took us away um, pre-season to Sweden. So, they say, right, if you win your three games, you'll get 500 quid each. And again, I'm like, oh, 500 quid? <laughs> and the boys were, obviously the boys in the first team were like, 500 quid? And I'm going, 500 quid? So, I think we won two and drew one. Didn't get the bonus. So I'm sitting in the bus and heading back to the airport waiting at the hotel. And the, the physio comes on, he's Alan, ah, Gaffer, man, you? What for? He's like, that? Just go and see him. So I goes his dog. Come on, Scotchman. I says, Gaffer, <laughs> he gave me a briefcase. Here, take that, you look after that. Don't you take your eyes off that. I says, ain't any bother. So. Sat in the bus with this briefcase, leather briefcase, not a clue. It's back to the airport, I'm still carrying briefcase, It's back to Nottingham, there you go, Gaffer. The boy says, oh, What's in that? I says, No. He says, that was the wind bonus. He brought ready's. He brought the <laughs> cash. Ready to just go. I said, if I don't know that, I'd have jumped another flight. <laughs> <laughs> and no,
0: no, 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 Aye, so brought the cash with Jeez, oh. And even though you kept that briefcase for him, did they ever give you any cash Never doing that for
1: from... I think he slapped in the back of the head, fans, but that was about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jesus. Your time at Forest, obviously, maybe back then, obviously coming from Morton to get down there, it'd be seen as a sort of dream move, if you will, in the sense that if you compare that to it from then, from, sorry, if you, if you think about that now, it would be such a, an incredible move to go from Morton to, to, to a team with the Stature of Forest at that time. It was an injury hit time for you and um, how tough was it life at Forest and how do you reflect on that spell there overall? I think
1: um, I too much time my hands, I think was the, the biggest thing because when I first went down for the marks to the uh, end of the season, I shared a other young boys stayed in a, a big house and they got looked after. There was an ex-player and his wife that ran the house. And they, uh, I got all help to make the meals and make the beds and stuff. And So I stayed in there with the ground staff boys, because I was the same age. But while they were all cleaning boots after training, I wasn't. So I was just, I, And don't get me wrong, there's times you hang about with other boys and you go for... They always used to hang about a wee cafe and go for a bit of soup and whatever, and it was good. But it was after that, and I didn't drive at the time either. So you're relying on other boys coming to get you. And I stayed... Then... Where we stayed in there, it was fine. But after that, when I moved back down, I stayed with an older couple when it was across the bridge. It's a wee bit out of the way. A wee bit harder to keep in touch Mm. with boys. And I'm not saying I ended up on a close end, I went to pictures with boys and that, but you couldn't do that every night.
0: Aye, no, true.
1: Um, Again, looking back, one of the main problems when I first went down, when I I was ages with all the boys, I don't need to do the chores, which didn't go down well with some of the boys and I knew that, and I could tell, was the that daft, that was kinda, and they'd signed me for a bit of money, and the wee bit of jealousy was creeping in as well, so it was a wee bit of hostilities, which is fine, it, it happens, in fact, what happens in my, all walks of life, I suppose, but it didn't make it easier to settle in, but you, you become pals with a few of them, and then I moved, like I say, and they I went back down and I stayed with a lovely old couple, Um. George and Minnie, they would go to the bingo, six o'clock every night, bang, <laughs> aye, I says, "I wait, see you later. So I'd have the house to myself, which sounds great, but when you're 18, you're kind of sitting there. And it was hard. I, I don't regret going, because I could have went to Rangers and maybe not made it there either. But it was a thing
0: that, uh, I thought I had to do at the time, no I had to do, I wanted to do. Before we come on to your return to Scotland after that, you mentioned obviously some of the big first team characters there, Stuart Pearce, Roy Keane. In terms of those guys, were they welcoming to guys like yourself when you went down there?
1: I think they were, they were great. Um, they were great with me. I, again, things just come in. I remember we played the uh, semi-final FA Cup. No, I wasn't involved, but I ended up travelling. And um 91, I'm sure somebody might correct me played West Ham at Villa Park. And I was on the bench, I wasn't stripped, but I was part of the, so I just sat at the side of the bench. And um, I remember coming back in the bus and I was sitting out the back of the bus, they bear in mind I'm, I've not been there that long. And I'm, I'm finding myself staring. I can see Stuart Pearce through the, the seats. And I'm just staring at him. And he's looking at me and I'm thinking, Look away, what you're looking at. Gotta look and I'm just and I'm going that's Stuart Pierce. But that was the that was the reality of it. He's a big he played in the World Cups. And Sorry, absolutely. I think he'd missed the penalty a year before uh-huh. start Des Walker played in all the games. But I'm sitting looking at him and he's going, what's, what's this wee guy looking at? I'm going, that's Stuart it's Stuart Pierce. <laughs> Stuart Pierce. But again, it's things like that you then become part of getting used to, that's all part of the learning culture, like these guys are, I wish they were my teammates, but they're clubmates, if you like, and you'll see them every day, and it was, like, Pierce used to call me kid in the And I remember when they beat them that night, everybody was going to the Trent, and everybody was going to celebrate the pub, again, okay, I didn't drink, but I wanted to go in the party, but this time I probably had Grew a wee bit of bum fluff, looked about 14. <laughs> so, I'm up at the door, like, one of the boys, and the bouncers went, me, man, what are you doing? Beat it. And I'm like, i with So, to be fair, one of the boys went and got Stuart Pearce, and they come out and said to the bouncer, look, he's with us, and took me in. He said, sit there, if anybody gives you an ass, he'll come and get me. But it was just good to be part Aye. of the, the celebrations and stuff, but, um, ah, good memories there.
0: When you leave Nottingham Forest... You come back to Morton. How did that move back to Morton come about? And after such a frustrating time, maybe down in Nottingham was Capelo, the place you wanted to return, having had good memories before you went down? I think it was an easy decision to come back. I think it was...
1: i seen rumours at other clubs. um, I think Chelsea get mentioned again, and Dundee at the time. But I think, as you say, it was a... wasn't comfortable, wasn't it? It was a footballing decision, but at the same time, it was for me, to come back and start and join football again. I'm not sure if the clubs phoned each other and went, look, he's not cutting it down here, he's homesick. Cause I was, I just couldn't settle. So it was possibly a phone call between the clubs to just, between maybe their assistant manager and our minds and just say, look, he's not settling. Do you want to come up with a deal? And you can take him back. Um, so as soon as I heard that, I, I think I ran up the motorway <laughs> with my portable under there. and um,
0: that briefcase as well.
1: <laughs> I wish I had, no. Um, so that way, I come back up. But when I come back up, um, the biggest thing was my fitness. It was terrible. You don't realise until you're away, but Forrest, they just see me play fives all the time. It just That was training, it was just five a size, five a size. And I remember actually doing some extra running myself after training. Everybody going, no, you, don't need to do that. And I'm saying, well, I need, that's what I'm used to. I know it's a Scottish thing, but I was used to doing it. And I come back up here and Gaff like and John McMaster going, you're not fit. So for the next, I don't know many games. Well the boys, I used to get in with the boys, get changed before games and while they're doing their warm up, I was getting an absolute doing off of John, just like box to boxes and, just to try and get my fitness back up to speed. Um, hard again, because you tra- it's like training on your own and then you're sitting watching the boys playing. But it didn't happen that much. It, it, just for a few weeks until I get my feet back again, then uh, obviously I get back to playing.
0: And that, you always mentioned there, you get back to playing. Back at Capelo, a place where, as you say, you, you felt good, you felt comfortable in terms of playing for Morton at that time. And let's be honest, you played in one of the best Morton teams in the last 50 years. You had like Sir Derek McInnes, Yanni Lindbergh, you had Rajamaki, Alexander, Lily throughout that sort of time. Just how great a side was that of playing over those course of those years? It
1: was great. I think, um, well, it was tough. When I first came back, I'd I got myself fit. And then again you're too young to remember but the B2 Cup final. So we'd done great to get to the cup final. And then um, I'd get injured a couple of weeks before. We'd played Wraith. And I always remember I was playing kinda of wide right, and I've run across the 18-yard box and there, Dare said McKinnon had chipped the ball across. And I've run in as I've it, the keepers Tom Carson's come out and put his two hands down and i flicked the ball up and he's caught my knee. And still got it in tape because I, I scored a left footer that day and a header, which is again, <laughs> I was gonna say unusual, but I've done it against Kumar the Scottish as well, but um the footage I'm lumping, you can see me lumping and there's Derek Collins crossed the ball and I've headered it and my eyes are jet black, so Gaffer's like half time off. I'm saying Gaffer, I'm on a hat track. And he's like, that, off, you know. So between then and the cup final I hadn't played, I hadn't really trained. But it felt okay. But OK is obviously as if you find out now it's no great. <laughs> so we went down to stay in Irvine. Eh, the night before the BQ Cup final. It was played at Love Street against Hampton. And um we went down to Irvine to stay. I always remember as a power cut, just things were going it was <laughs> One of the things, and I had went out there, the uh, three hole pitching pop course, and that was my fitness test. So I get my, my knee all strapped up, and I went out and they were saying, How are you? Fine, fine, great. Wasn't it But it's a cup final, so I'm desperate to play. So, plays against Hamilton. Alan Ferguson, three minutes gone, takes a bike kick, kicks it over my head. I've turned round, my studs have caught in the grass. Good night, Vienna. My cruise goes. So, I've got taken off. Um, and my knee just started swelling up, can I remember? Started swelling up right away. So all the boys after the game, we get beat. Um, Paul MacDonald is now my boss at my work, he's the head of academy and Paul played with Hamilton that day so he never gets tired of telling me how <laughs> he keeps showing me medals, like he's being good cup winners medal and stuff. <laughs> so, uh, all the boys we get beat, but all the boys I think went out after it, but I was, I was burst, so I went, up the road, and then I remember going in and getting my knee seen to, and they're saying oh, that's a cruciate, which I didn't. Gaza had done his, and we, Jimmy Hunter, had done his, he and your You'd mm-hmm. heard about it, but you weren't actually sure what it was. Um, so I had to actually, I went to America to get my knee fixed, and it's, the, it's a donor thing, it's, an, it's the Achilles heel of a dead man in your knee to replace a cruciate, so mm-hmm. I've got screws in my knee, so it took me 14 months to get back for that. We were part-time, then more were part-time, so we didn't really love the facilities. If it was, nowadays when you're full-time, it's probably nine months or whatever, but I was having to do my own rehab and stuff, and it was hard. It was, At times you were done, and you were maybe only doing as much as you should have, or you, you could have. So that was a long road back. Um. And i think i may actually made my return on my 21st birthday we played clyde i think i scored two that day as well and from then on it was just I'd be niggles and stuff and like obviously you missed other games because your knees never going to be the same again but when you're starting to play and you're starting to win and as you say but i think then with the tartan strips they the touch, brilliant everybody loved them even the other teams you could tell you could <laughs> tell they loved them um, but that was the days of we got Yanni and Marco in and McKinnis, Dave getting goals, Lil's up front, they were just a really good team. And it was enjoyable, not just to play in, the other side was enjoyable as well. The, the social side and the boys as a group, good boys, um, good boys that looked after each other as well. If anything happened on the park, you know somebody did your back. Usually I picked Lyle because he was the biggest in the <laughs> but you had they had your back, um, big like John Anderson as well. Good players, No just like average run ML, You could play, and it showed because we went and we scored a few goals and good goals as well, no just scrappy things. Um, and you could tell the crowd was getting up a wee bit and a wee bit more coming each week and stuff, and that's a sign that you're doing well.
0: Well, that's a, that spell in, in, the, in the 90s there with Morton is a spell that you know yourself from speaking to Morton fans about. It just, it's a lot. It's an era that people always, they never tire to tell you about and, and what an era it is, you know, and I'm interested to ask about the, the training element you mentioned there, obviously, Derek McInnes, the, the, um, the two fins, obviously, Derek Lilly as well. You just think to yourself, you look at Morton now and, Decent enough team But you think pff, You'd kill for even one of them now What was training like Every day with them?
1: Training was good We were still We were full time But We trained on Monday Wednesday Friday morning And a Tuesday Thursday night So the part timers The boy, There was still a few Of a part time mm-hmm. so, so they could train was, we, That's your training schedule So When I Sometimes a Thursday night The floodlights would go on a capital And you'd play on the pitch And you just seen it up a notch of training. There were some nights that got a wee bit heated. I was like, me and Dan McKinnis, brilliant, great pals tight. But we were at it one night and the twos were like nearly fisty off just because we wanted to win. But that was at that time, we were winning every week. And I think you just want to win at everything, whether you're playing and training, whether you're playing the games. And that's good. It's a hunger that like, everybody's got. And you take that, I always say it to my boys in my team just now in the academy, you always train the way you play. See, if you don't put in training, you take that out like of the pitch. See what have you done training? That's your preparation. Your preparation for training in a, for a game on Saturday starts on Monday. And that's what we were like. We would just be at it on a mile an hour, tackles flying in. Brilliant. Peter Cormack just, watch the tackles. Flying in He didn't like his tackling Each other <laughs> Oh Peter He'd always watching your tackles But it was Like Some nights we wee bit Wet in the grass Tackles were flying in Brilliant Wouldn't mind an argument Just now like, actually yeah, It was good
0: You mentioned Derek McInnes And obviously The younger generation Of fans Might know Remember Derek McInnes As a footballer They maybe See him more now As having managed at Johnston Bristol City Currently at Aberdeen Just how good a player Was Derek McInnes
1: Brilliant Derek was good. My biggest thing about Derek was when I came in at 13, um, Derek's a year older than me, maybe two year older. But when I came in at 13, I would start coming in the holidays. So every uh, Easter summer, well, maybe not summer, but October holidays, I would come in and we trained at the Battery Park. No the Battery, sorry, the Park Lee. Mm-hmm. And just a wee bit of grass as you went in, that's where we used to train in this the summer. But I would be on training with the older boys as well. And my bad memory would be Derek because he always looked after me. So, if John McMaster would say, right, get a partner. And Derek would always say, right, man. And never forget that. Um, as a player, he always just wanted the ball. He wanted to be set the attention, if i being honest. He just wanted <laughs> to be the man, which is fine. Because you could, and he was. Um, but at times, he would have to drag you out. And, just gave you a wee cajole, and, um, but he could play, yeah, he could play, he deserved his move, deserved his career. I thought he was, because uh, he, he, he was another one that I think he captained the team really young. Um, the Gaffer put that kind of belief in him when he came in at first, but again, we had guys in the team, like Ian McDonald, now you ask the Martin fans about wee Mac, they maybe don't like him, they might don't appreciate him, but as a player playing beside him, you appreciated him because we might would just say, right, let me do all the tackling or the, you just play I'll get you the ball you just play that's a dream that's a dream for anybody so we might do all the dirty work and we might could look after himself <laughs> um, but just many experienced guys like that, the team, that talk to talk you through games and just help you it was, it was great
0: you mentioned John McMaster there we've mentioned him quite a few times obviously the career he had in the game before getting into kind of coaching is just incredible, winning European trophies and stuff in his career. What was he like to work with as a coach? Was he somebody that was understood the pressures the boys had to go through, or was he really hard on the boys because he knew the standard?
1: John was hard. John was very hard. He used to do, um, at that time, I don't know, the the duties, the, the YTS stuff. And John, depending on what he was in, <laughs> would either like Now, bearing in mind, I've still got to walk for. Cap a of jumped in a train for cart to Paisley, changed for Paisley and jumped on another train and go to Cowan, and then walked in for there. And <laughs> um, John would die or say, right, get yourselves up the road, they would come in and go, no, good enough, the job's only done right, get them done again. But that was him just testing you. And to see if you were up to it, thinking, oh, no, I've chucked it, or oh, I'll show him. Me in a personal note, John was brilliant for me. John used to because John could play midfield as well and he knew what it John could pass the ball, John could land the ball anywhere. And he used to join in in training, and he would dink the ball, and he would jump for it. And he, he knew, and he would jump for it and miss it, because it would just miss you. And he'd go, don't go for them, you man. But after training, he saying, right, come on. And we'd go on to Caplo and he'd take a dozen balls out. And I know the other boys didn't like it, but get the other boys to stand as targets. And John would fire the ball into me, and I had to take a touch, turn, and play passes. So he was just getting in a different range of passing styles, and you know. for me, brilliant.
0: We mentioned that famous tartan strip that was very good now, the iconic Argentina-style strip in 1995-96 is a vivid memory again And most fans of that era, what was the reaction to wearing that strip, because it was even look back on it now, it's as cool as ending and what was that season like in general?
1: Great, again it was, um, you never grow up as a footballer, when you see the strips, Everybody wants to try them on and wants to get their picture taken and uh, that was that was lucky enough we played in the United first game of the season mm. and I managed to score probably probably the goal of my career I'd imagine it was I always remember it was Marco Gorick played inside to Derek, Derek played it me and I've hit one in the far away top corner, only match one goal. Um and I've still got a picture somewhere of me with the boys running about me and that's the strip the. Um, Buchanan's Toffee in the front, but again, great. It, it, I think it sounds daft. It sounds a Strip helps because everybody wants to, um, just play better. And the tartan Strip, for me was a one off. I, I don't know if you could bring that back. If you do, it would need to be a certain kind of milestone. I think if you're if you're bringing that back, like it means something. Because mm-hmm. even the red one, the away one was nice. Um. Still got the two of them somewhere, but again, you're talking about McInnes. McInnes had to be in the centre front row <laughs> with the team fours, and I wasn't that keen and sat beside him because he wasn't bad looking, and I was purely wally white. Even though I'd been in holiday, and he was like obviously rattling sunbeds at the time, so Bye. it was like chalk and cheese sitting next to each <laughs> other. But it was always a fight to get in the front row.
0: In terms of McKinney said, he mentioned like, the, the team photos and stuff Be honest, did other boys take the piss out of him for doing that? Or was it just a case of, that's just Derek and... That's just Derek,
1: that's the way he was and always be, and still is <laughs> He'll never change, but no, he's just, that's part and parcel I, I always remember he said he th- the first, he's, he was going to make his debut Maybe against Clyde Bank And he... He'd been on the face lamps the night before to want it to look good for the making his debut and he's, he got up in the morning and overdone it. And, uh, one of the opposition players asked if he'd rubbed deep peat deep in his face before the game, because it was that scalping. <laughs> but no, he'll never change. Must have been.
0: <laughs> See, in terms of that era of players we mentioned there, we're going to come to your best mortal team later on and you look at the players the night, you just think, wow. What was it like playing at Capello when you had such a good Morton team behind you? Because obviously, as I say, the crowd still talk about that team now.
1: I think as well, like, it's nice what you're talking about there because it's often mentioned that myself, Derek and Yanni as a midfield um, weren't they bad. We've done all right. Um, but again, you can, tell, you can tell by the fans, not just the turning up their numbers, you can tell how happy they're when we're doing stuff and we're scoring goals and we're winning but that team as well if you weren't having a particularly good game you knew there was boys running about that could help you through it and give like, you a jolt and pick you up and, that. and you knew that's not a game that wasn't it wasn't was every man for sale we're on it together
0: In terms of that team what would you say is the most memorable games from your point of view as a player in that team? I
1: think probably the Dundee United game last game of the season. I was the playing, I was injured, but it was so high to so low, what could have been. Yep. Um and then again you think back at the crowds that were were at the game and you think, imagine that was every week. Like even now you think okay. but imagine they were there and how good a support that would be, but I just remember folk talking about it all week, the build-up and it was a big, big thing and Media and just folk reporters and everybody weren't involved here. It was Martin to get back up then would have been some story. Um, how would I get on up there? I don't know. I don't know how we would have done, but but would probably added to the squad and strength and whatever. But it was just so close.
0: Having come yeah. so close to getting promotion, which the club are still waiting for now decades later do you look back in that with disappointment of what could have been or is it just we gave it our all and that's as close as we could get and we couldn't really have done any more
1: I, I, th- I don't think we could have done any more like, um, people might disagree but it's a long long season and you gave everything and it comes down to the last game and it just wasn't enough we just couldn't, couldn't find it we couldn't muster up but again it's something Taking positive for it, so somebody to be proud of that we done that, because we didn't have what you would turn a, a big squad or even big names like other, didn't the United could sign, they were signing good professional uh, seasoned pros that we maybe didn't have, but we kind of all came together.
0: From my personal point of view, I think, Morton are just well overdue a return to the top flight and obviously now with the finances in Scottish football it's probably getting harder than it is easier so it's something that will it happen in the next decade or so fingers crossed touch what it does but with the finances you just never know do you feel that way as well that from having played in that era and watched the club now a couple of decades on that I know that a return to the top flight is just well overdue for the club?
1: I think so I th- it's hard I, I never like comparing like what's going on in the past to what's happening now because mm-hmm. it's I guess it's a different era Absolutely. completely um, you're playing against different teams you're talking about finances and stuff it seems to be people are just putting money after money and there's teams going full time that you wouldn't maybe expect and they're just wondering how long they can last are they just giving it a big push and i take to see Morton getting it a big push and getting up there and not having any money to Strengthen and then the Horton boys every week that's not what I want to see I want to see them getting promoted and be able to hold their own and sustain a run in the top fight and, and make a go at it
0: In terms of your time at Morton, disappointed not to get promotion and we're going to come on to the Kilmarnock move yep. shortly but how do you look back in your your first spell at Morton before Forest and this second spell obviously we know you can back to Morton later but in terms of these first two spells
1: at the moment, how do you reflect on the second spell in particular then? Great. Again, it was, um, after it went Forest, I just wanted to play. And coming back, I still, I'd only been away, some people say two weeks I was only away, but (laughs) um, I was away a year, so there wasn't a great change in personnel at the club, so I knew I was still comfortable with the boys, and to be fair, they accepted me back, it wasn't as if I was a new guy coming in that had to uh, Earned my right to be there, they you maybe kept in touch probably with a lot of them. Um, and then we brought in, I always remember when I'd signed before I to come back in to do pre-season, it John McMaster says, Why don't you come back in? And we were starting later than Martin. He says, Come back in, get a few days under your belt. So when you go back down to Nottingham, you're kind of hit the ground running, you're a wee bit fatter, you're not getting down there cold. And we trained up. Um, <coughs> Octavia up at Sports Centre and we're doing a 12 minute run or whatever it was and we're up and doing the bankings and who's that boy there? Never seen this boy before who's that? This boy away out in front big calves massive big calves and that's big run who's that? Oh boy Derek Lilly was, was signed up for Everton Boys Club he's he own. can I run that? aye <laughs> All away out in front and that was the first time I kind of met Lowell's our first introduction to Derek um, and then when I come back obviously he was still on the team and, um, he just made the team better um, big John Anderson was on the team boys that can the top of boys that can play for the back it's not just big hoofers big centre halves that just want to lump the ball and we were encouraged to play and it's good when you get guys at the back that want to play through you as a midfielder as opposed to just over your head ah, you're having a creak in your neck at the end of the game because you're just too busy watching the ball so they're encouraged to play and end up you get a weak and a uh, understanding going with like Cedric Derek up front and you can you know what runs he's going to make and he pace so if the team you are playing against a high line you know you just put out of the top <laughs> Derek's on it or if they backed off Derek would make the run so it was good and you you'd, you'd not just building these things are building friendships with boys as well that have lasted all this all this time for me that that's the biggest thing it's boys that i can still look on as mates 20 what 25 26 years later I still see them every time I'll, like phone them all the time and see them whenever we can so it's good that's for me is the best man
0: absolutely and that team spirit especially in the kind of game now we talk about a lack of characters in terms of, you hear that all the time Roy Keane, Gary Neville the guys in the pundits even the Scottish pundits Michael Stewart etc talking about a lack of characters you mentioned there that you had lots of big characters in that bottom team and the fact you still speak mm-hmm. now is testament to that yeah. on Derek how you mentioned how good a player he was obviously he had an incredible career down south Leeds United etc just how good was he in terms of training every day and also into a match because obviously to have that level of career and play at such a high level, you've got to have something special about you. And obviously he coolly did.
1: Derek was a welder when he first came. He wasn't a, wasn't full-time Derek when he first came in. And I think it, I might be wrong, but I, I, I think it took a wee bit of cajoling to get him to come in on a kind of full-time basis. But he was a fit, fit boy and built like a side of the house. And he never, Derek, I don't think he went to John. I think just, that was just the way he was, and <laughs> he, because he walks, I was slagging because he walks on his toes, that's how his calves are so big, but that's why he, <laughs> he dances as well, but he goes. Um, but a very humble boy as well, he, was, he'd score nearly a, every other leap, but you wouldn't hear him bragging about it, and just kept his head down and worked hard, and I think that was part of his, his character, was just to go on with. And In terms of that changing and who were the big sort of jokers at
0: that time?
1: I think we had everybody gave their fair share. I think there wasn't any one person that stood out. I think everybody gave as good as they got. Um dress rooms can be ruthless. If you don't stick up for yourself, then it was well not being there. But it's they we're good good boys. Again it we all seemed to have a similar age, I think, as well, which helped. Um they obviously Rowan was kinda of coming to end his career. You know, there were a few younger boys in, but it was like in a core of early 20s mid-20s boys that were in. So, we all kind of with a good understanding.
0: You men- we mentioned there, obviously, ultimately, the club doesn't get promoted back to the top flight. and uh, Obviously, it's disappointing, but when you look back, considering where the club's been for the last couple of decades, you think, well, what an effort you made of it. And as you say, you probably couldn't do any more because you pushed them to United and other teams in the division as close as you possibly could. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Football CFB podcast with me, Callum McFadden. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at football cfb, and please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or through Anchor FM um, where I always post my links to the podcasts anyway. Um, I hope you enjoyed this podcast and I cannot wait to share my next one with you. Please join me again um, very soon when I'll have another Football CFB with... But until next time, take care.